Hello, happy October. Welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I'm your host, Scott David Chase. Uh, I'm going to talk about 12, I believe, uh, films that I saw um, in the past <laughs> month and a half since last time we talked. Um, yeah, um, I'll just get right into it. Um, I'm going to go from ones that I saw the farthest away ago to the most recent. Um, I... Uh, Saw the new James Bond movie, saw a film that I was looking forward to called Lamb, uh, saw a couple Marvel movies, one of them good, one of them not good, um, saw a horror movie and a bunch of other stuff in between. So first off, a horror movie I saw was Candyman, which is the, um, it's not a reboot, it is a continuation of the Candyman series, but it's really a direct sequel to the the first film, which came out in 1992. Um, so it's, you know, uh, I've only seen the first and second Candyman films, and it had been a long time since I'd seen either of them. I just remember the second one not being great, so I didn't continue. I wasn't a huge fan of, I, I'm, or I'm not a huge fan of slasher films anyways, so... Um, but I was intrigued. I had seen the preview for this film, Candyman, named after, you know, it's got the same name as the first film. Um, but, uh, well, you know, and it starred Yeah Abdul Mateen II, uh, Coleman Domingo, and Tayona Paris, and Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Um, the trailer looked intriguing. Uh, Directed by Nia DaCosta, uh, and also written by her and Jordan Peele and Wynn Rosenfeld. You know, um, Jordan Peele's had a pretty good reputation with doing horror movies, so I jumped in. Um, it was solid. It was definitely, um, it's definitely a fairly smart, uh, or a smarter slasher film. Um, having said that, it, it, it you know, there are some gory parts. There's, there was also, I don't know, there was some subplots that kind of went nowhere or were underdeveloped, so that was sort of a disappointment. But uh, uh, overall, it was entertaining. The, the, the problem, I think, is it's probably not gory enough for people who are fans of hardcore slasher films, and uh, the script is a little too underdeveloped for people who are not necessarily fans of the genre but wanted to check it out because of the director and Jordan Peele's involvement, it's a little bit of a disappointment that way as well. So it's tough to think of who to recommend this to, but I would give Candyman, uh, the 2021 Candyman, um, a 6 out of 10. Uh, next is Coda, which is a uh, kind of a drama comedy uh CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults, uh, and it was it was shot in and took place in Gloucester, Massachusetts, which is uh, where I'm where I was born, um, pretty close to here. So um, it was interesting to see, uh, and uh, you know the parents Marley Matlin and Troy Katsur uh, are both um, deaf in real life, as is the actor Daniel Durant, uh, who plays her brother. Um, it does, uh, I don't know, it was, it was interesting, although, uh, um, 
kind of inaccurate as far as there's there's some stuff that happens in the plot along the way. Her her father and brother run a fishing boat, and they're cited for some uh, violation code violations because of you know them not being able to hear. They they didn't get to hear the Coast Guard trying to board them, and they're fine for that, which is actually not accurate at all because there are programs in place um, that actually protect and uh, will actually pay for um, uh, people people with disabilities to be able to work, you know, specifically fishermen because there are some uh, deaf fishermen. So uh, that was kind of a little frustrating that um, it was kind of cheated for the, for the storyline. But uh, Amelia Jones plays the daughter who is hearing. She's the only hearing person in the family, and it's a coming-of-age thing. She wants to go to school to sing, and her parents want her to stay and help with the family business. And, you know, she is encouraged by her teacher, played by Eugenio Derbez, who um, is a very popular South American actor, but is just, uh, I don't know, I find him very grating, very irritating. And he was pretty dialed back in this film, but um, my own sort of personal annoyance with him got in the way and, you know, immediately made me kind of cringe when I saw that he was in this film. But despite that, um, you know, a a really solid performance from Amelia Jones um, kind of went a long way with this film. It wasn't as poignant and uh i don't know it it, to me it was a little surface level and it wasn't didn't go as deep as i thought it was going to but it was still enjoyable Uh, i'd give coda a six out of ten next i saw don't breathe two which is uh it's like a horror thriller film it's you know obviously the sequel to don't breathe which came out in 2016 which uh i covered on this podcast five years ago um it was okay it's, uh, the problem is like Steve, Stephen Lang's character is back. He, and he was the, uh, antagonist of the first film and it's five years after the fact. And he's, they're trying to make him into an anti-hero, but the problem is like the, uh, and you know, t- t- to make him seem like the, the quote unquote good guy, they had to make the bad guys in this even worse and, and, you know, very one dimensional, uh, Brendan Sexton, the third, uh, leads a group of thugs who want to kidnap the girl that um, uh, Stephen Lang has kidnapped, even though we don't, you know, they make it out to be that he rescued this girl, not kidnapped. But it's it's a hard sell when a rapist, kidnapper, murderer is supposed to be the sympathetic one. And, you know, it, it was just, the villains are so cliched and it's just, they had to up the awful factor to make him so, uh, to, to make him sort of relatable that it was just, it was, it's, I don't know. It is a pretty, pretty miserable film to be honest with you. And I mean, it was shot well, but the script is pretty poor. Um, Stephen Lang's performance was fine, but again, he plays a, in my opinion, an irredeemable character. So, um, what's the point? Uh, I'd give Don't Breathe to a four out of 10. Uh, next I saw Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is the second film in phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I know is a mouthful. Um, 
this was actually a lot of fun. I I wasn't very excited about it. I mean, I've seen all of the Marvel Cinematic movies, most of them in the theater, and um, so I was planning on seeing this, but um, it's a very different... I mean, it, it is technically a superhero film, but it's really a martial arts slash fantasy film that's only loosely tied to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think... Um, Shang-Chi will be used more in the MCU and if they do a sequel to this I'm sure that they'll tie it in more but it's only loosely tied in this uh, specifically to the character of Wong from Doctor Strange but uh, you know it was nice to see a film with a almost all Asian cast um, and uh, uh, Simu Liu did a great job playing Shang-Chi and uh, actually, Aquafina was fun in it too, playing his best friend Katie, who has no idea of his background. And he's basically, you know, he is the Shang Chi is a very highly trained uh, martial artist, but doesn't want to use this training, so he's kind of in hiding in San Francisco. And of course, he gets dragged back into the family business. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it's, you know, definitely more on the Disney side of, uh, Marvel and, uh, I'd give Shang-Chi a seven out of 10, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, next I saw the card counter, which is a dismal film by Paul Schrader. Um, I enjoyed his previous film, uh, first reformed starring Ethan Hawke, which I also reviewed on here that came out probably three years ago. But stars Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Ty Sheridan, and Willem Dafoe. It's this convoluted, not necessarily gangster, but it's like a crime card counting thing. But it's just, the script is very unbelievable. Um, I mean, Oscar Isaac gives a committed performance. He's great in pretty much everything he's in. But just the material that he's given and the film that he's in, it's just garbage. Um my biggest problem with the film, honestly, is Tiffany Haddish. She's supposed to be a sort of femme fatale and just, I, I feel was woefully miscast. And I don't know. I, I just don't really, I don't really enjoy Tiffany Haddish. Um, I don't think she's as charming as everyone else does. I definitely don't think she's funny and she's just not a good actress in my opinion. So um, to have her be central to this film uh, just, kind of derails it from the get-go. And Ty Sheridan's character as a young man who wants revenge on someone who ruined his father's life that tries to get Oscar Isaac in uh, is, uh, I don't know, he's, it's not a great performance as well. You know, part of it's probably not his fault because it's not a well-written part. But I just think Paul Schrader is not an amazing uh, director as well. Um, he's written some great films, but as far as directing his own films, not great. I'd give the card counter a three out of 10. Uh, next I saw blue Bayou, which I was looking forward to and actually did enjoy, um, uh, written, directed and starring Justin Chan also stars Alicia Vikander. Um, a small role by Vondi Curtis Hall and Emery Cohen. Um, this was interesting to me because I really didn't know um, much of the background of um, how how many adopted children who you know are adopted into the United States are deported as adults because they never officially became U.S. citizens and um, 
there is some controversy around this film because while it is not technically based on a true story, you know, it's a, it's a compilation of several people's stories. Um, uh, uh, members of the Korean adoptee community have criticized the film after it came out saying that, uh, um, Justin Chan had taken Adam Crasper's uh, story and changed it enough to make it his own, but basically didn't give him any credit. And um, I felt that he was, you know, trying to commercialize on a difficult subject rather than um, utilizing the, the, the actual stories of real um, adoptees, Korean or otherwise. So I didn't know about that until after I saw the film, because I think that definitely would have clouded my um, enjoyment of the film. But I did think it was it was really well made. Um, you know, it, I, I'm interested to see Justin Chan's other films. I know this is not his first film he's directed, but he's known primarily as an actor in, um, I think, the Twilight series. But uh, I wasn't really familiar with him. I had just seen the the trailer a couple times and thought it looked really great. So, um, before I knew about the issue of sort of, um, I don't know if plagiarism is the right, right word, but, uh, taking inspiration from someone's life without credit, I would have given blue Bayou an eight. I put it down to like a six now just because of that. But, uh, you know, going into the film, if you, depending on if, if you know about that story or not, I think will taint your appreciation of the film. So there's that. Uh, next I saw a cop shop, which is, uh, Joe Carnahan, uh, film, uh, that he co-wrote and stars Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo. And, uh, I don't know if she's a newcomer, but Alexis Louder, who was great in that. It's the first thing I've ever seen her in, but, uh, she gave a great performance. It's a, it's a crime movie. Um, set in a small, small contained area, you know, uh, a, a police station in Texas. I believe it was Texas. No, um, Nevada. I'm sorry. It was in Nevada, but, uh, you know, Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo are both, um, involved in organized crime. Uh, and it kind of unfolds throughout the film to find out what's really going on. Gerard Butler's trying to kill Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo is trying to get away but uh, you know, very, uh, very tense, very entertaining. Um, you know, it zips right along. It's it's 107 minutes, but it, it flies by. Uh, Toby Huss also in it, who um, gives a great just off the rails performance as a contract killer. Uh, Toby Huss probably most well known from HBO's Carnival. But uh, um, you know, if you've seen Smoke and Aces, which is Joe Carnahan film, it's very similar to that, but on a smaller scale. But, um, you know, definitely not a deep movie, but certainly fun. I'd give Cop Shop a seven. Um, next, I saw The Eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, which is directed by Michael Showalter and starring uh, Jessica Chastain as Tammy Faye Baker and Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker and Cherry Jones as... Tammy Faye Baker's mother and Vincent D'Onofrio as, uh, why am I drawing a blank? He was a televangelist, uh, Jerry Falwell. Uh, it's a biopic or a biopic. I never know how to say it. I've, I've heard that word said both ways, but, um, oh man, this movie, 
I, I just, I don't know. I kind of feel like it was garbage. Um, you know, Jessica Chastain gave a good performance, I guess, but I just, my biggest issue with this film is, you know, cause it is based on a true story and I knew the story already. Um, there's, there's not a single, there's not a single rel- relatable, likable character in this entire thing. And yeah, even, even if Tammy Faye Baker is, you know, portrayed to be, um, kind of a victim of Jim Baker and her mother and other people, it just, uh, she's so vapid, uh, at least the way she's portrayed in this and my understanding of her in real life as well, that I just don't care. Like, I don't feel sorry for her, um, which maybe is horrible of me, but I just, I just don't care about any of it. And, uh, I feel like, you know, Jim Baker, uh, got it's just desserts and uh you know uh he's out of prison now and still doing the same sort of stuff and you know jerry falwell died several years ago and i just i don't know the whole televangelism scene really is gross to me and yeah i just don't care about any of it and it really just kind of hits all the basic biopic tropes so it's very by the book uh i'd give the eyes of tammy Faye a five out of ten uh, next one, another film that I was not looking forward to see, but uh, saw it nonetheless. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. This is a sequel to Venom, uh, which came out uh, in 2018, starring Tom Hardy, who also wrote the story for this. And this one was directed by Andy Serkis, which I do not think Andy Serkis is a good director. He did some second unit stuff on some of the the Hobbit films or the Lord of the Rings films, and... I don't know. I thought, I think he's a good motion, motion capture performer, but, uh, I don't know. Andy Serkis just rubs me the wrong way. He's very self-important. And, um, anyhow, I didn't enjoy the first Venom film, but that's in large part because I don't enjoy the character of Venom. Um, Tom Hardy's very committed to it, but it's a very weird off-kilter performance. And I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan, but this is like one of my least favorite uh, roles that he plays. And it's weird that, at least it's weird to me that he loves this character so much because I just think Venom is a garbage character. Um, I don't care about uh, Michelle Williams' character at all. Um, uh, Naomi Harris, who's a great actress, uh, is very underwritten in this. And Woody Harrelson... Uh, who plays Cletus Cassidy, which is, uh, you know, the the host. He's a serial killer host of uh, Carnage, which is another symbiote alien. It's basically he bites Tom Hardy and then he becomes Carnage. Which I don't know the the whole Cletus Cassidy story is is just written so it, it, it flies by. I mean, this is a short film. The whole film's ninety seven minutes. And it's just underdeveloped. It just feels like they were trying to just get a product out, which, you know, I don't know. It's just, this is the worst common denominator of superhero film, in my opinion. Um, it's not part of the MCU, although um, the the little post-credit sequence does tie it into the MCU, which is, you know, someone might say it's a spoiler. I don't think it is. Um, but the post-credit sequence is the best part of this film. And 
yeah, I I don't recommend Venom. I know it is topping the box office right now, but I just I think it's trash and you know, I knew I wasn't going to like it going into it, so I guess it didn't disappoint, but you know, I'd give Venom Let There Be Carnage a 3 out of 10. Um, next one I saw was a French film called Titane, um, which is a, you know, it's a body horror film. It is a, you know, my buddy Bob had asked if I had seen it and I hadn't even heard of it, but, um, I looked up the trailer, watched it and it looked just bonkers. And it is bonkers, uh, written and directed by Julia de Cornau, um, which, She'd done another film called Raw, which I have not seen, which I want to check it out. But um, I don't even know how to describe this film without giving it away. But it's, you know, it it starts off uh, in a, there's like a prelude um, to when, when the, um, the lead character, Alexia, is a child. She gets into a car accident and ends up with a, um, titanium plate in her skull and it flashes forward. Um, it's, it's just, it's bonkers. There's, you, you definitely have to suspend disbelief, um, just to kind of put yourself in the world of this film. But once you do, it's, it is a wild ride. There is, it's, there's definitely a lot of cringeworthy moments as far as like, uh, horror elements, violence, and, um, you know, there's serial killer elements, there's identity, uh, theft, I guess, uh, elements, and there's also just fantastical elements inter involving, uh, <laughs> a person getting pregnant from a car. And it, yeah, that, that, that is a factor in the, in the film. So, uh, you know, I, I, after it was over, I turned to the guys that were sitting next to me who I did not know. And I was like, well, that was something. And they're like, yeah, I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but that was definitely not, not what I was expecting. Um, it's really tough for me to recommend this to many people. Um, it was very well made. It looked amazing, sounded amazing. And, but it's just such a bizarre, extreme film that it is hard for me to recommend to anyone, but you know, uh, people who are daring and, uh, have strong stomachs, but, uh, I enjoyed Titan. I would give it a seven out of 10. Uh, you know what? No, I'd give it an eight out of 10. Actually. I, it was very well made. It was, it was a weird movie, but, uh, next I saw James Bond 25, uh, no time to die, which is Daniel Craig's final film playing James Bond. Um, they did a good job wrapping up the five films that he was in uh, this story. It, you know, I had some friends who are bigger James Bond fans than me that were saying that they got emotional at the end. I didn't. I mean, I felt like some of the stuff that was like building towards what I would, what I think they probably reacted to emotionally wasn't really earned and tried to make me feel stuff about James Bond that I just don't. Um, I enjoy James Bond, but it's, James Bond has always been sort of a, a comedic, uh, comic character, uh, sort of larger than life. And even though the Daniel Craig films are more grounded, he's still very much that sort of character. So to me, um, 
it was fun, but to try and make me, you know, sad or emotionally invested in James Bond this far into this character's history just didn't really ring true. Um, it was nice to see Jeffrey Wright back in it. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, supporting characters from the previous films were back. Uh, Leia Sado, um, Ben Wisham, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright, as I mentioned, Christoph Waltz, Rory Kinnear and Ray Fiennes. Um, Rami Malek is the villain in this. Um, you know, I thought Rami Malek did a great job playing Freddie Mercury in the Queen biopic. Um, and he's great in Mr. Robot. He's just, he's got a very odd look and demeanor about him. And, you know, I guess works for a villain. But this the villain he plays in this is very underwritten, um, just kind of rote. And I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, the character that he plays, Safin, he he basically um, there's a flashback scene early on. This isn't a spoiler because it's it's the first scene in the movie. But he he encounters Madeline Swan uh, as a child, and it's weird because he's basic. I mean, he he's basically the same age in in the flashback as he or he looks the same age in the flashback as he does in the present day film. Uh, even though Madeline Swan is a child and now she's an adult. And uh, Rami Malek and Leia Sado are only five years apart. He's only uh, four years apart. He's 40 and she's 36. So it, <laughs> that was sort of stretched the credibility as well. But uh, all in all, it was very entertaining. Um, it's a little too long. It's like two hours and 20 minutes, but um, certainly, certainly a fun ride and a um, solid conclusion to Daniel Craig's uh, portrayal of James Bond. I'd give No Time to Die uh, a 7 out of 10. And then last but not least, I saw a film called Lamb, uh, which is it's a supernatural horror film, but it's more like a supernatural drama that has a few horror elements in it. Um, directed by Vladimir Johansson, and, who also co-wrote it with Sion, uh, who is a writer and musician from Iceland. So it's a, you know, a Swedish, Polish, Icelandic co-production. It is in, uh, the, the language that the film is in is Icelandic. Um, but, uh, Numi Rapaz, um, plays a lead. She's a Swedish actress. Um, she does an amazing job in this as does, uh, uh, the actress who plays her husband, Hilmer Snare Gunnarsson, and I know I'm butchering his name, but um, uh, it's a farmer, husband and wife, who live out in the countryside in Iceland, and um, they raise sheep, and one of the sheep gives birth to a child that is half human, half sheep, and so they choose to raise it as their child, and... Uh, um, it's less about what happens in the film as it is about, um, you know, kind of a character study of these two, particularly, uh, the, the wife, um, towards the end of the second act, the, the husband's brother comes to stay with them and it, it, it kind of 
holds a mirror to this strange family that's that has you know kind of they're living life normally but he sort of like this is odd you know um so he's sort of the the greek chorus to all of us watching it but um yeah it's interesting it I couldn't help but feeling a little underwhelmed that not more happened, but um, it was definitely more grounded as a drama than as a horror film. So if you're going in expecting a terrifying movie, um, I think you might be a little disappointed. But if you just go in to experience it without expectations, I think you'll probably enjoy it more. But uh, very well made, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'd give Lamb an 8 out of 10. So those are, you know, the dozen or so films I've seen in the last month and a half or so. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, talk to you soon.